We are the A. Atlanta, you know what that means. This is Brad Gazan of your MLS champion, Atlanta United. Atlanta has an unmistakable spirit, energy, and pride. And at Mercedes-Benz Buckhead, we are the A2. Mercedes-Benz Buckhead is Atlanta. Community-driven and passionate about what drives you. Test drive the new 2019 A-Class starting at 32.5 at Mercedes-Benz Buckhead and find out why we are the A. Mercedes-Benz Buckhead. Online at MercedesOfBuckhead.com. It's the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. I can't imagine people 50 years ago wanted to say, let's run. On July 4th, one of the, probably the hottest days of the year. 50 years of traditions. I'm excited to do the Peachtree every year, but this year I'm most excited about the 50th anniversary t-shirt. 50 years of champions. Atlanta, it's a great city, the course, the atmosphere. 50 years of Atlanta's July 4th tradition. It's just exciting being around that many people in one race. Let's get you ready. You're listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. We've been waiting for it and waiting for it, and it's just about here. The 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race here with Jay Holder of Atlanta Track Club this week. I'm Jennifer Perry. And after all the buildup to this year's huge milestone, Jay, can you believe it's almost here? We're making the turn on the 10th Street right now. That's right? what this yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I can't believe it's almost here. I also can't believe it's almost here. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> if you haven't started training, uh, you should start maybe crossing your fingers and, and hoping that everything just works out. Um, you know, this is the part of, this is the time in the planning process where everything should be in place on our end. And now we're just scrambling to make sure it all gets done in these last couple of days. It's amazing to watch it all come together at this point of the year. You think you've got so many things to do, so many ways you have to get ready to get, have the race go off without a hitch, but it always comes together because of the great team here, the crew of volunteers that, that come out every year and put this race on. So um, I can't believe it's almost here, but I also, you know, I'm I'm so excited for what's coming up one week from today. I know all 60,000 runners are ready to, even if they haven't trained so well, Jay, but uh, out in the parking lot as I pulled up to Atlanta Track Club today, there are all kinds of huge trucks. What are in those trucks? Everything. Everything. <laughs> we uh, we can't park in the in our parking lot. Uh, starting last week, we park in the the road because of the amount of trucks that have to come in to move water and shirts uh. and snacks and medical supplies and tables and chairs and all the things that it takes to put on six miles of a race course and a start area and a finish area for 60,000 people. So we rent countless trucks uh, plus our own fleet of trucks and spend hours and hours and days and days loading them. I know the whole staff was here this week loading pallets onto trucks. It's a whole process. Each little area of the race has a packing list and it's not specified down to the number of towels, number <laughs> number of bottles of water everybody needs. And so all of those that our warehouse crew is going through those lists and loading them onto trucks meticulously. So we don't leave anything back here on race day because as you know, traffic on July 4th is tough uh-huh. and getting back to the bit. warehouse because we forgot something is not exactly <laughs> the easiest thing in the world so we try to make sure everything we need and more is loaded on a truck and also the expo the expo's on there mm-hmm. as well so we will start building the expo on saturday uh, just a couple days from now so um, it's a lot it's a really a monumental undertaking and you know, before i came to atlanta and started working with the track club it didn't make sense to me how big it was mm-hmm. and that seeing it unfold and seeing the the number of things you have to think of the little details is mind-boggling it really mm-hmm. is when you see everything in motion around here leading up to race day but we're going to talk more about how the runners are going to enjoy this experience today here on the peach tree podcast what people can expect if it's their very first peach tree but speaking of the expo last 
last week you teased us that maybe we could break a record of our own at the expo this year. Are you going to tell us more about that today? Yeah, we're going to talk to the gentleman here at the track club in charge of really putting together all the really cool things around the 50th, once in a lifetime kind of things Mm -hmm. that that we're bringing to the Peachtree this year for this very special milestone. And some of those things are at the expo. And one of them is, I'll give you a little bit more of a nugget of what that is. One of them is a treadmill Ah. that runs at course record pace and you can run on it. Okay. And it's safe. It's okay, totally good. safe. So we'll talk a little more about that and, and, <laughs> and how that works out and what happens if you can hang on to that 417 a mile pace or 455 a mile pace, depending on which record you're chasing. What happens if you can hang on to that for 30 seconds, one hmm. minute? Okay. This sounds interesting. And then I'm looking forward to uh, seeing all the Mizuno Decades gear. I ordered a couple of shirts ahead of time online because I was afraid they were going to sell out. You've got some really cool stuff in addition to the traditional t-shirt this year. That's going to be for sale at the expo too. Yeah, we're really celebrating the 50 years of this race and and doing it through our merchandise this year. I've been excited about this decade's collection since we first started talking about it over a year ago. One shirt for every decade, and each shirt is designed after an iconic finisher shirt from that decade. My personal favorite is the 90s, and maybe that's just because I was a 90s kid. (laughs) But they all have a really unique look and show as you look at them all uh, together, and I actually have all of them because I'm a geek like that. (laughs) Have them all together. You can see how the race has evolved over time. And uh, yeah, so you'll be able to pick those up at the Expo um, in our Mizuno Atlanta Track Club booth. We'll talk about a little bit about what's happening in there as well. There's going to be an opportunity to win some really cool prizes take some really cool photos and see a giant version of this year's Peachtree shoe. All right. That's going to be awesome. You've been wearing your kicks lately and I'm kind Mm -hmm. of jealous about that too. But uh, also coming up on today's episode, we're going to hear from the guy whose voice you certainly know if you've ever run the AJC Peachtree Road Race. He's the guy who gets us started right there at Lenox every single year. And he's become a familiar voice to so many people, but he has a great backstory too. Yeah. And talk about, you know, all the little things. That's another example of how all the little things really come into play in this race. The announcements at the start line are not just reading from a script. You have to time everything to the second. Mm -hmm. You have to know when those airplanes are going to fly over. You have to know when the invocation is going to end. And Ken and his partner in crime, Hal Crisp, have it down to a science. And Ken is really interesting. He does this around the country. But he got into road racing via wrestling. And we're going to talk a little (laughs) bit about about the circuitous path between wrestling and road racing. (laughs) I can't wait to hear that one. And then a few weeks ago here on the Peachtree Podcast, we told you about the Osei Can You Sing contest we do have a winner and it happens to be someone who was actually a little bit shy back when she started singing so this could be interesting too and you wouldn't know it if you listened to her what an incredible voice we listened to all the finalists here uh, in the office and you know we had our pick but of course the fans get to pick and it was tough because there were so many great singers who applied for the Osei Can You Sing contest but Shelly Williams is going to knock them dead on the 4th of July her voice is incredible she sings that song with such power uh, and I'm really excited to talk to her about the performance and why it means so much to her. We're going to be talking to her from Fort Benning, where she's stationed right now. Very cool. Really cool story there. Inspired by your favorite Cliff Bar flavors, Cliff Energy Granola is a delicious way to kickstart your morning. Available in delicious flavors like white chocolate macadamia nuts, cinnamon almond, blueberry crisp, and cocoa almond. It's made with hearty clusters of oats, nuts, seeds, and dried fruit to deliver sustained energy for adventures big and small. So we're, we're talking to Shelly Williams, and Shelly is going to be singing the national anthem at the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. And Shelly, thanks for joining us. Tell us 
how you got involved in this contest to sing in front of 60,000 people on the 4th of July. Um, thanks a lot for reminding me of 60,000 people. Um, actually, I've been singing the National Anthem for a minute with the Georgia National Guard, but um, my brother always says, you need to go out there and try to pursue this, pursue something, and I said, okay, yeah. But he's the one that actually said, hey, you're doing this. And I said, okay, sure, you know, fine. So I happened to have a video, and I just sent it to him, not thinking anything, and that's kind of where it went. I went ahead and accepted okay, yes, I'll do this. And then that's where we went from there. So when they called you and said you won, and not only did you win, you got 12,000 votes. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? It was very overwhelming. I was extremely humbled by the fact that I had, you know, that many votes. I pushed it out to my church members. I pushed it out to my Facebook friends and they were pushing it. I mean, I was looking at some of my posts and I had about 48 shares and people kept saying, I voted for you today, you know, I think the fact that everybody was able to vote a couple of times, you know, obviously mm-hmm. kind of helped it out. Note to future contestants, you can't only have to sing, you have to know how to manage a campaign as well. Exactly. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your singing background. Obviously, as you said, and by listening to the tape, you're not new at this. <laughs> when did you start singing and how did you get involved with singing national anthems? I had to ask my mom and she said I started singing around two years old. She said it was some Ray Charles song that I used to sing all the time, but I actually remember singing Superstition with my little brother. He's about four years younger than me. Honestly, I didn't start really singing until one of my cousins who who passed from breast cancer kind of knew I had the gift and started making me get out and singing in church. So I would say that was around fifth or sixth grade, and I'm pretty old now. But uh, after that, um, again, I really never tell anybody that I sing. I only sing when I have to sing because I'm actually very shy, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So after that, I had one gentleman named Clovis McDowell who has worked for the guard and he knew that I sang and he forced me. He said, okay, you're going to, we have yellow ribbon programs with the national guard, like reintegration programs. And he would say, you're going to do this. And I want you to get up and stand there and sing the national anthem. So that's kind of how I got started probably about nine or 10 years ago. And ever since then, they kind of say, where's that girl, Shelly? Can she sing the national anthem for, you know, change of command ceremonies and stuff like that? Is 60,000 going to be your biggest audience so far? Definitely. (laughs) I think the next largest one was we just recently had a change of command ceremony. And that's where the top general actually changes command when the new governor comes in place. So that was probably the largest thing. And he was the governor was actually there recently. So you work for the National Guard. Does singing on the 4th of July, that show of patriotism, love of country, appreciation for the military, does that make it a little more special for you? It definitely does. One, because I'm a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force. He retired as a master sergeant. And my brother, who will be joining me on that day, he's actually a, a retired from the military Air Force as well and an ROTC instructor. So I realize the importance of their sacrifice, and I do appreciate it. And, you know, even with the different things that are going on, I grew up in a military family. So, like I said, I appreciate it and love what they stand for and sacrifice their lives for. You said that you're shy. (laughs) How do you get over that hurdle when you're singing in front of people? What's your trick? I just do it. I just do it, and I try to just think and know and just pray that everything goes okay. (laughs) You know, I think being humble, humility kind of keeps you grounded. Mm -hmm. Is this your first time coming to the Peachtree? Technically, yes. I watch it, and I actually registered one year, and I knew I wasn't ready for it, so I sold my bid, but 
Yes, but my sisters and my and a lot of the soldiers um actually run it all the time. I do the smaller mm-hmm. races like the five Ks. Got it. So you're also going to sing "God Bless America." Correct. Is that one you've sung before, or is this going to be a debut? This will be a debut. Mm-hmm. I, I've got to try to time it for Mr. Crisp and see how long mm-hmm. it's going to take me. But yeah, this will definitely be a debut mm-hmm. on that. Speaking of the timing, so one of the things that I know you work with our start line team on is timing your song, the national anthem, just for those fighter jets for the flyover. Can you talk a little bit about your conversations with the start line team on how that's going to work and what you need to do to make sure you hit that right on time? Well, that's the biggest part that's going to make me even more nervous, I think. But I kind of timed myself a couple of times, and the average time, I'm giving him about a minute, 15 seconds. So he said on that last note, we may be able to stretch it out. So I've got to pretty much watch his cues to make sure I'm okay. I used to be a choir director, so I'm very familiar with watching and paying attention and even, you know, directing myself and knowing when to speed up. So I'm just going to have to get with him to make sure that I'm doing it correctly. And I'm also going to have my brother practice with me and act like he's Mr. Crisp and Mm -hmm. tell me where I'm hitting those, you know, certain phrases or words. Mm -hmm. Race morning, obviously you want your voice to be in top form. We talk a lot about the runners, about what they do to prepare for the race, what they eat for breakfast, what their warm-up routine is. What is your pre-singing routine? I'll probably start off with, I don't know if you've ever seen singers, but they usually act like they're blowing bubbles and humming at the same time, but that kind of warms up the vocal cords, so it kind of looks like this, and I apologize. (laughs) And we do that. Oh, and... I won't be eating a chicken biscuit that morning because that doesn't work. I probably won't be eating anything. And with the way the weather's been, I'm going to be protecting my voice as much as possible because it does kind of fluctuate with this crazy pollen weather. I'm going to put you on the spot. And I don't want to ruin the surprise for race morning, but you said you sang Superstition with your brother. Can you give us a couple of lines of that Stevie Wonder now, see, uh, that's classic? The, that's the issue. I forgot the words. Oh, no. Of, okay. Well, any song, but not okay, the national okay. anthem. We want to hold the national anthem for race day. Uh, at last, my love has come along. My lonely days are over. And life is like a song. Uh, I could listen to you sing all day. That is awesome. I think that the 60,000 people are going to have something great to cheer for on race day. Shelly, congrats on winning the contest. I cannot wait to hear you sing the national anthem. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm so excited. We'll see you on the (laughs) fourth. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Mowing the lawn, finishing your deck, trimming your bushes, all require trips to the Home Depot. I know we all do it a lot during the summer. The Home Depot, whether it's lacing up running shoes or pulling on work gloves, Today is the day for doing. The Home Depot, more saving, more doing. The AJC Peachtree Rotaries, celebrating 50. Atlanta Track Club is proud to unveil 50 Years of the Peachtree, presented by PNC Bank. The traveling exhibit highlights the history, people, and legacy of the AJC Peachtree Road Race over the past five decades. The museum-quality display features highlights from every running of the iconic July 4th event, including memorable finisher shirts, the first winner's trophy, and more. Catch the exhibit at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo on July 2nd and 3rd. Find more details online at atlantatrackclub.org slash celebrating50. As you line up on the 4th of July there at Lenox, there's a friendly yet authoritative voice there keeping everyone in order all morning long. And it's no small feat. There's a lot of coordination that goes into 
putting together the world's largest 10K, and Ken Berger is a big part of that coordination there at the starting line. He joins us now on the Peachtree Podcast. You've actually been doing this for quite a while at Peachtree. How many of the 50 years have you been there at the starting line? Hey, good morning, Jen. Ken Berger from Virginia Beach, Virginia. My 12th year of running excellence right here uh, at the Peachtree Road Race. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, a lot of people are really excited to hear your voice because that means that race day is actually there. But tell us about your typical July 4th. I mean, when do you get started in the morning? Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it really starts two days before with just kind of getting in my hotel room. And after I get the main scripting for the start of the race, I actually uh, takes me two full days of putting my brain into it. The little snippets of music that I add in between the script, the start lines, uh, I pick a music out for all the individual waves. Because I now, after 12 years, I know a lot of the wave leaders. Uh-huh. Trying to think back here, I'm all, this is all off the top of my head. A guy named Eric Robertson is in uh, Wave E. And so I always like to pick out a song for Eric. He's one of my favorite. But, of course, all those waves, I think I have 22 waves I got to get off in the morning. Every year I get to say hi because, you know, those wave leaders are volunteers. Right. And around, what, 5,000 runners. So it's a lot of fun to see those come up there. I congratulate them. My uh, weekend really starts. I'll drive down from Virginia Beach on the 1st, do a lot of uh, pre-meetings on the 2nd. You don't see me on the 3rd. I show up on the 4th and fly out right after the race. Oh, wow. So my preparation is like just total intensity. Uh Uh, Just to prepare for your race, though, I start about a month out and I start contacting all the different people who are in charge, like Jay and, of course, Hal Crisp. This is Hal's... 38th year, and he was the announcer prior to me on the 4th of July. Now, he's the guy who writes the script, and he's the guy who kind of controls it. Uh, he's the main man that makes things go, keeps me on my timeline. and So makes he's sure in that your ear the whole time? <laughs> well, basically, I'm not using a headset because I like to feel the crowd. I, like, yeah. I want to hear the music. I want to feel the crowd. It's just like when you do music for events. You have to you know, figure out what day it is. I do a general game plan, and then I plug in the music accordingly. So... My day starts a month ahead of time. How's that sound? That's an intense (laughs) schedule there. But uh, I didn't realize you picked the soundtrack. So do you vary that year to year? Every year. I keep track of every song I play from the, let's say, the first year. This is my 12th year. So 2008 was my first year. And Tracy Russell was the race director then. She's actually one who brought me in to the race. I did a lot of work for her. I worked for the Richmond Sportsbackers for a number of years, uh, from 1999 to about 2013. And uh, when she moved down to Atlanta, she brought me in and she said, Ken, you got to kind of keep it a little low keyed, you know, when you're a new guy on the block. And I had to kind of come in and feel out the crowd and feel out the race people and the race directors and kept it below with the radar a little bit. But uh, after a couple of years, they said, hey, we like this. So let's give him free reign. And uh, I still keep things under control pretty much, but it's all free. When you're announcing for events around the world, you got to make sure you play the right music at the right time and make sure that it's all right for all ages. And that's what I really take pride in doing. Well, it's an extensive background that you have too. Jay teased us a little bit earlier on today's show that actually wrestling kind of led you down this path. Can you explain that? Yeah, sure. Uh, Being a wrestling guy, wrestling referee, I started out with announcing major wrestling events around the country. Actually, not real major events, you know, small little kids tournaments and things like that. And I started that back in the early 90s. So I started my company, Kenny B's Productions, back around 1995. 
I started announcing at smaller tournaments. Then I went to the Virginia Duels, which was a huge wrestling tournament. Since that time, I've uh, been able to work six different Olympic Games on the production team. And my first major one with music production was in Athens at Enolithia Hall. I was doing all the music production. And the same thing, you know, like wrestling, just like a running event. It's kind of like a movie. And if you provide the right music at the right time, it can slow people down. It can wake them up. If it can make them happy, it can add excitement. You know when to be majestic. You know when to be Olympic, but you know when to be fun. And being a former wrestler, being a former runner, being a former triathlete, those are now the three major events that I announce. And uh, that's how I did it, six uh, Olympic Games. And uh, the big one, of course, was Beijing, where I was the presentation director, where I had my finger on the music. I wrote the script. So I took all of my knowledge, uh, started out with wrestling. And then in 1996, I was discovered by the officer in charge of the Marine Corps Marathon. I was announcing at the Armed Forces Wrestling Championships, mm-hmm. going crazy on the microphone <laughs> and playing music in between things and adding life to it. He says, hey, can you do this for a marathon? I never thought about it. Here it was, 1996, my very first running event I ever announced and, and brought music into the Marine Corps Marathon. Because, you know, in the 90s, that's when things changed from the gun goes off, you run the race, you get a popsicle stick at the end of the race, and that's your race. And then uh-huh. in the mid-90s and through the 90s, it began a big show, and it's really evolved since then. Let's talk about the show that is Peachtree. I mean, how does this race compare to all of these other events that you've been a part of? Oh, come on. Peachtree Road Race, number one 10K in the world. How can you compare it? You guys are awesome. Everybody does a super job down there. Kyle Clay at the start line. Again, I said, Hal, all those volunteers you have. It's the 4th of July, and it's red, white, and blue all over the place. But one time I had the uh, privilege of announcing three of the four top 10Ks in the country. I started out with the Cooper River Bridge Run. That was my first big 10K out of Charleston, South Carolina. And I started that in 1999, still doing that one. And then I moved over to the Ucrop 10K because Tracy Russell, your former race director or Atlanta Track Club president, she brought me in for the Ucrop 10K. I think that was ranked number four. Cooper River Bridge Run was two. I didn't do Boulder Boulder. And then I came down and I did your race. So one year I looked at the program that you put out with a number of races in the top 10. You're number one. Boulder Boulder's two. Cooper River Bridge Run's three. And then Ucrop was number four. And I'm like going, holy mackerel, no wonder I don't have any hair. (laughs) (laughs) That explains a lot. (laughs) That's it. That tells you something. But so guess what? You know, you guys rank number one. And I want to be very honest with you. Each race that I do, every one is unique in its own way. Mm-hmm. And that's very important that you guys are tops on the 4th of July. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But you're right there on the top of the list. Well, you're a Marine Corps veteran, by the way, Ken. A lot of our listeners might not know that. So I know the special part of that race for a lot of us is seeing that giant American flag and having the flyover come across overhead. I mean, what's that moment like for you? Well, I'll tell you what, it's uh, a lot of excitement when the flag goes up. You know, it's the 4th of July. You know, we're celebrating uh, the red, white, and blue. Uh, We're celebrating the United States of America, the greatest country in the world. And here we are with 60,000 of my closest running friends. I mean, I have to keep in myself a little bit there because I'm being a retired Marine Corps pilot, 20 years in the Marine Corps. You know, a lot of pride swells up in me, but I make sure 
no matter what I announce, when I'm announcing, I want to make sure I give credit to all those runners out there. And I, I try to give credit to all those guys and girls in the military. I have them raise the right hand and say, you know, everybody yells and screams for them. But I don't forget, I highlight the guys and girls in the military. But I want to tell you that I'm always giving credit to the first responders, to the medics, to the doctors, to the school teachers out there, right down to the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker. <laughs> I want to make sure everybody gets the credit. But, you know, Fourth of July, come on. Let's give the guys and girls in the military a little credit here. So, Well, and seeing them run in full gear too, some of those service members out there and uh, firefighters too, that's pretty impressive when uh, most of us are running in shorts and a tank top and they're running in that kind of heat and that full gear. So I'm sure you've seen just about everything there at the starting line as all of these runners come across. Do you have runners try to get your attention and give them a shout out or something like that? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I got a little cute story. I was uh, out refereeing a major wrestling event in Las Vegas, our national championship. So that referee wrestling also uh-huh. I was getting on the airplane, standing in line in front of me was a guy with a Peachtree Road Race t-shirt on. I started a conversation with him. I became friends with him. He, I found out that he ran the previous year's race. And I said, give me your card. Let's stay in contact because I'd like to give people a shout out if they contact me. Can't give everybody a shout out. Yeah. I got his name and I was able to give him a shout out. Then the next guy in line was his buddy. I think it was his boss. So I was able to get him a shout out. So we stayed in contact. Every once in a while, I'll see somebody somewhere that has the Peachtree Road Race shirt. Or they'll say they're from Atlanta. And I'll always go, hey, do you run the Peachtree Road Race? And they'll go, yeah, I do. Well, you know what I do? I take their name and I stay in contact with them. They send me a little note. I give them a shout out. Everybody's excited. I love that, that personalization there. And uh, you're right. I run into so many people with that Peachtree shirt on all over the country. But uh, how about your own running background? Are you an athlete of sorts yourself, Ken? Uh, Yeah, 20 years in the Marine Corps, I was a wrestler. And of course, wrestlers run to stay in shape. So I wrestled at the U.S. Naval Academy. Went to the NCAA championships my uh, senior year. So I went into the Marine Corps. I was very active. And I was started my running career actually in the Marines because you had to run a PFT test. And then I started doing some 10Ks back in the 70s. And then in the 80s, I moved over to triathlons. So I started doing a lot of training with triathlons. And unfortunately, I was always deployed. Being a pilot, I was on a carrier somewhere. So I can tell you, I ran a lot of 10Ks on a steel deck sitting <laughs> off the coast of Beirut, Lebanon, Bosnia, Herzegovina. So I did a lot of running there. (laughs) But that's my background as far as sports go. So being a wrestling guy, being a triathlete. And now, as I've gotten older, I can honestly say I am proud of the fact that I talk a good race. And a lot of us are grateful for it because you managed to keep 60,000 people in line on July 4th, Ken. It has to be an interesting vantage point that you have. You have the really serious elite field there and start wave A. And then the further back you go, it starts to turn into a party. Is that kind of interesting to see all the different phases of this race as all these runners go by? Well, sure, because I always classify it like this. Where are all the stallions? They're up front. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of like my music. What do I play for the stallions? You know, I, I kind of cater to that. What comes next? The rock and rollers. And what comes next? The disco crowd. <laughs> and then what comes next? The oldies crowd. <laughs> so I try to mix it up a little bit like that and keep the energy. And I look at that. And I can see the age groups and the demographics of those. So I, it's, it's really great to see the world-class athletes and those 
at the end of the pack, who in my estimation are still the world-class athletes. Yeah. Again, that's what I told you in the beginning. That's what I take pride in because I want to make sure it doesn't matter where you start in the pack. I'm real happy that you're there starting. Now, whether you finish or not, God bless you, but at least you made it to the starting line. Good friend of mine, John Bingham, the Penguin. I announced a couple of races for him, and he was one of the guys who always was the back of the packer, hence the name, the Penguin. <laughs> as long as you came, you finished, it didn't matter. God bless you, 60,000 people, 4th of July, Peachtree Road Race, come on. That's the great thing about this race. But since this is the 50th running, Ken, I know a lot of people might be joining us for the very first time because they wanted to put this on their race bucket list. Any advice for those runners who haven't experienced this particular race? Yeah, sure. The thing is, have a lot of patience. Please listen to directions. Reminds me of about four years ago when we had the big thunderstorm take place. Yes. You had to halt traffic, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, we, I think we got about four waves off at the time, and I'm standing on the top of a 14-foot metal scaffolding Ooh. with a microphone, <laughs> and I'm telling people to please listen to their wave leaders and please go to the nearest safe haven because you have a great safety plan where you go to the shopping uh, malls, the parking garages, and you have a great plan, but the people were not moving. So I said, I know there are some military people in the crowd, Please move up to the front and lend those wave leaders a hand. And you can see the Marines and the Army guys and girls moving up to the front. And everybody's going, let's go. And I'm like going, lead the way. The runners didn't want to go. They were like, oh, no. Well, they heard the thunder off into the distance. Uh But if you hear the thunder, that means the lightning's near. So uh, being a football referee, you've got to clear that field. You've got to wait for 30 minutes until you don't hear anything. And then you can bring the people back to participate. That was a gallant effort on the wave leaders and the announcer who was standing up on that scaffolding holding that microphone and the volunteers and Hal and everybody to clear the course, then bring them back on 30 minutes later and get them going after the threat of a thunderstorm took place. So uh, some pretty dangerous conditions, but I'll tell you what, that was number one. Please listen to instructions. Yeah. Okay. You're a first timer. Please make sure you hydrate on the 4th of July. Atlanta is a tricky place. Sometimes we have rain. Sometimes it's very cool early in the morning. But I'll tell you what, please hydrate the night before. Because if you don't, that humidity is going to get you when you go off on your wave. I think the last wave goes off about 9 o'clock. And I'll tell you what, about 8 o'clock, that humidity starts rising. 9 o'clock, it's chilly in the morning, but then it fools you. And you don't want to drink, but you better hydrate every chance you get. Take your time. Uh, Maybe you might want to stop, get some water, every water stop. This is fun. Who cares? Let those stallions go for the goal. You're a winner if you come home safe. A safe and happy fourth is what we all want. And uh, this year is going to be extra special with the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Ken, you're a huge part of that. And thanks for getting us started. And we look forward to seeing you just a week from now. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be great. As I always say, when I sign off, no matter what event it is, any Olympic Games where I might be announcing or doing the presentation or any race, I'm going to tell all the runners out there my thing that you never hear because you're always gone. But my last words when I sign off are... Always remember to keep your feet on the ground, reach for the stars, go for the gold. We'll see you next year. Delta is the official airline of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Delta flies to 300 cities. That's 300 cities where people sing in the car. 
poorly. 300 cities where people miss someone in one of our other 299 cities. We don't fly to 300 cities merely to bring us together, but to show us we're not that far apart. Delta, proud to be the official airline of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. I think the Peachtree Road Race t-shirt is such a cool time-honored tradition. Uh, it just becomes sort of your badge of honor that you wear after you run the race. That's kind of a cool deal. I like to see the design, which is kind of cool to see how it's evolved over the years. Usually there's a spoiler alert because one of the speedy people from the front is now running the course or walking the course backwards. And so somewhere along mile four, I usually see what the t-shirt looks like. That doesn't keep me from being anxious to grab mine and grab a bottle of water there at the very end. It's always cool to be able to wear your shirt on July 4th and kind of show off that, hey, I ran this race again this year. So Jay, let's talk about that t-shirt. I think it's the thing that uh, most of the 60,000 runners who realize they're not going to be crossing the tape first, they look forward to that every single year. But this year in particular, we've talked about it. Uh, you guys enlisted some help from some celebrities, some local teams in designing those. But who at this point knows what that t-shirt looks like? Very few people. So I know, but I You're will not what? share. Oh, come uh, on, uh, Jay. Rich, of course, knows the executive director. And then the team that really knows and is such a huge help to us, and you could read the article about them in the AJC from uh, this past Monday, is the Jewish Family and Career Services. They have been our t-shirt bag stuffers for 20 years. Oh. So we send all the t-shirts to them. We send all the inserts that you get from the sponsors, some of the gifts that come in that bag, and they spend from the middle of May to the end of June bagging all those shirts. And it takes a lot of people to, mm -hmm. to bag 60 thousand shirts and they in 20 years have never let the secret slip wow that's and impressive do they sign anything they do they, they have to sign a non-disclosure oh, agreement wow. and even when we had when the ajc went and did a story on them we had to make sure that they didn't pack any shirts during the time that the reporters were there. So they know, and they have been so great to keep that secret and do that really important work every year. Um, that's part of the massive volunteer effort behind this race. So they know, uh, the designer doesn't know, Mizuno knows. They so, have to know yes, pretty Mizuno early. Mizuno knows, <laughs> and that's about it. There wow. are people in the building who know, but we don't, some staff doesn't want to know. They want to be surprised just like Along everybody with else, even else? though we don't get the shirt. We've talked about that that's before. Right. You never have had your own AJC Peachtree Road Race t-shirts never i wouldn't feel comfortable wearing it it's such a it is such a tradition to be a finisher shirt you have to run the race and i'll wear anything else that says peach tree on it but i won't wear the finisher shirt and a lot of the staff here feels the same because we did not complete that race we did a lot <laughs> surrounding the race and we can be very proud of, of wearing the peach tree name but we won't wear the finisher shirt all right you got to make it to the finish line on july 4th it sounds like that's right this time of year, Cliff Bar is a food group in my book because Cliff Bar is the first organic energy bar inspired by classic smoothie recipes. Cliff Fruit Smoothie Filled Energy Bars are crafted to deliver sustained energy. Choose from three tempting flavors, each made with USDA organic and non-GMO ingredients, along with a creamy filling made from a blend of cashew butter and the bright flavors of organic fruit. It's a snack so satisfying, we bet you can't wait to get to the good stuff. Jay, you have a couple of options in how you get your Peachtree number every year, and I always think it's a shame for those who have mail because the expo is so much fun. You might as well check that out, and especially this year being the 50th running, I know this has to be an extra special year for the expo too. Yeah, and if you did get your number mailed, you can still go. We'll okay. let you in. So it's July 2nd and 3rd, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Georgia World Congress Center. 
it's not just a number pickup. It's not just a place to come get your Peachtree Magazine. Although we hope you come get your Peachtree Magazine and you read it cover to cover. <laughs> it's an event in itself. And joining us now is Chris Hollis, Special Projects Manager for Atlanta Track Club. And Chris, your big role here is to really make the 50th running of this race come through, to really make it a true celebration. And we're going to see that start. Well, we've already seen it, but the expo is going to be the, the real visual jumping off point for people. Yeah, totally. With the peach tree, it's a quintessential Atlanta tradition, and we just want that to come through and and everything that we do. So really playing off of this decades theme, you know, the race has been around for five decades at this point. And just from the time that you step into the World Congress Center until you exit the expo, we want that to resonate throughout. So what are people going to see when they walk in that uh, lets them know immediately that this isn't just our normal awesome Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo. This is our Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo on 10. Yeah, so a number of things. Everything from the signage that you'll see when you walk in. We've outside of the expo, we'll have our traveling display that's been around going around uh, Pont City Market, Atlanta History Center, all over the city for the last three or four months. And so you'll be hit with that. And that is just a timeline of just significant moments through the through the past uh, 50 runnings. Uh, archives, you'll see the first trophy that was run uh, from the first running. You'll see, you know, the bibs throughout the years, you'll see finished tapes, you'll see all those cool little mementos that kind of at times get taken for granted, but really play a big role in in what we're doing. Then when you walk in, we've got a little bit of a different uh, configuration for how you get your number. So a little more condensed, but spread out at the same time. And hopefully that helps cut down on on the numbers outside of that mad dash that happens right at the beginning. Not a whole lot we can do about 5,000 people showing up before the doors open, but that's (laughs) one of the ways that you can see the love for this race. And that's where you get your Peachtree Magazine. This year, a much bigger edition celebrating the 50 years. A lot of those stories that we saw on our Peachtree 50 site. And then after you get your bib and your magazine, you walk into the anchor store of our expo. Yeah, you'll walk into this year the Atlanta Track Club and Mizuno booth. So we've combined the two really playing off of that decades theme. And that's where you'll be able to get the official shoe, which has been selling like hotcakes to the best of my knowledge. You can't get it anywhere except for at the expo outside of random odds and ends sizes here and there. And then that's where you'll see all those cool decades themed uh, peach tree shirts. So that'll be the only place in the expo that you're able to get those uh, official merchandise pieces. And if I were say a size 45 shoe, <laughs> would there be one there for me to wear uh there will be a left shoe we might have a little trouble with the right but we've got some uh mizuno footwear fitting experts that might be able to rig something up for you but yeah there'll be a a giant shoe if i'm not mistaken the the math plays out to you'd have to be like 200 feet tall to uh to be able to wear that shoe but yes well, I know when people get there, they tend to uh, also want to take selfies and announce to their friends and family that they're going to be doing this race. Uh, you guys usually have a zone set up for that. Where are the best spots to get those shots at the expo, Chris? Oh, that's a great question. There's actually a ton of those. So we actually built the booth in the idea that we wanted everything to be a picture opportunity. So there are a couple of different uh, spots that are, you know, quote unquote specific areas. There's a, a magazine cover where you can, you know, get inside of it and get your picture taken. So it looks like you're on the cover of Peachtree Magazine. But then there's also just all kinds of other little spots where it could be cool images from around the years it could be montages of the decades it could be just the size 45 shoe (laughs) it could be all of those things we've really tried to make it a 
very inclusive and engaging environment overall. It's family friendly too, always. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, we have a friends and family portion of the expo, which is going to be towards the backside of it. It has participation from not only a number of the uh, professional sports teams throughout Atlanta and a number of activities from the Atlanta Track Club. It also, this year, its anchor will be a uh, tractor trailer that the United States Olympic Committee has brought in to kind of kick off the drive to the 2020 Olympic marathon trials. So this is going to be their first activation in the in the city. Speaking of the 2020 Olympics, we'll talk about the marathon in a second, but there are going to be two 2020 hopefuls and 2016 Olympians there, but not running Olympians, track and field, more specifically field Olympians competing here at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo. Yeah, that's true. So after you exit the Mizuno Atlanta Track Club booth, you'll run almost smack dab into a, a triple jump competition on the second and a pole vault competition on the third. And it's uh, Katura Orji, triple jumper for the Atlanta Track Club, and then Sandy Morris, who's arguably one of the most decorated female pole vaulters of all time and on their respective days they'll be going for huge marks at the event so a good way for us to not only uh, celebrate the Peachtree Road Race but expose people to the sport of track and field in general. Yeah if you haven't seen the triple jumper the pole vault in action make sure to to catch this triple jump as Chris said on Tuesday and the pole vault on Wednesday it's really an incredible feat of athleticism to watch these two performers who are at the top of their game Katura is an eight-time NCAA champion uh, finished fourth in the 2016 Rio Olympics I would have to say is a favorite for the gold medal in 2020 and and Sandy's the American record holder in the pole vault so if you're going to watch two people compete in these disciplines these are the two to watch. And Jay was telling us earlier, Chris, that uh, you have your own chance to kind of feel like a record setter yourself at this year's expo. Tell us about that. Yeah. So there's a machine called the Tumblator, which you will, uh, once you see it, you will absolutely understand why it has that name, (laughs) but it will be set to either men's or women's course record pace. And the goal of that being to see if participants who get on it can go 400 meters at at goal pace and that is brought to you by uh, racetrack and coca-cola and body armor armor. yeah Mm -hmm. sorry apologies and they're gonna be out there with us to the best of my knowledge the freeze will be there for Mm -hmm. for a minute we're not sure if we can get him up there you might be scared we're gonna try though it's really you know not only a feat to watch these people run that fast but to get up there and try to do it for even 400 meters just it it blows your mind how quick those people are moving for over six miles and we'll have some cool prizes if if you can last you know 40 seconds you get a discount off of uh, the public's atlanta marathon next year so and that discount goes up the longer you can run on the Mm -hmm. treadmill so i get you could call it a prize you could also call it a punishment that if you (laughs) run really fast really long hey guess what you've got to go run a marathon now yeah (laughs) and and just so you know it's not a complete face plant uh Mm -hmm. the tumblator is i'd say it's a crossover between a trampoline and a a treadmill so Mm -hmm. uh Generally, unless uh, something weird happens, you're not going to get hurt. Maybe, maybe a little, maybe bruised ego, but uh, <laughs> but no, nah, I don't think any broken bones. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. The videos are are great. It are you going to try it, Jay? Yourself? I don't know. I, I mean, I'd love I'm, prob- to see this. I'm probably going to get talked into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, guys, I'm glad that this lasts for two days because there's so much to see and do, especially this year. But uh, are there times that are a little bit less busy than others? Any recommendations on that for people who want to try to avoid some of the crowds or come in during their work days leading up to July 4th? 
if you want to avoid pandemonium, I would say avoid the first two hours of the first day. Uh, those are generally when, you know, the diehards are there and, and they're lined up out the door. But so, I mean, any time in the either afternoon is generally a little bit quieter. Mm-hmm. I would, if you want the full experience, I would not say don't be the person that slides in 30 minutes before the expo closes yeah. or else <laughs> you'll be getting the we want to go home treatment from a lot of the vendors. <laughs> uh, but, you know, anytime probably after two o'clock is generally a, a little bit, bit calmer. That's not to say, though, that it's not an experience in itself to be there when there's you know, 10, 15, 20,000 people in that hall as well. That plays into a big part of just the overall nostalgia. There's always plenty of parking. That's not an issue for people who are maybe worried about that if they're coming for the first time. No, we would uh, encourage MARTA Mm -hmm. because Atlanta has terrible traffic (laughs) in general, and that will probably save you years on your life to take MARTA down there. And it's very, very easy to uh, get off at either Mercedes-Benz stop, which is right behind the State Farm Arena, or even the Vine City, which is across from Hall C. So first, encourage MARTA, (laughs) take MARTA. And if you do drive, yeah, there, I mean, obviously there's a lot of sporting events down there. So whether it's gold deck, red deck, yellow lot. And parking is not free, so you probably save money taking MARTA also. Yeah, sometimes parking (laughs) can be like pirates. So uh, again, we encourage MARTA, always 250. (laughs) And and one thing for people to know, that the expo closes at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. There's no race number pickup on Thursday morning. And and we get people every year who miss that. So I just want to make sure I say it, that if you come Thursday morning to the race at the start line looking for your number, it's not going to be there. And it's not even that we don't want to give it to you. It's physically not there. So... Make sure you either, if you get, didn't get your number mailed, you got to make the expo during those two days. Yeah, no, and, and second note on that, it's nothing personal. There's just a lot <laughs> of right. logistics yeah. that happen when you're trying to put 60,000 people on Peachtree Street right. and keep them safe at the same time. So right. that is, again, nothing personal. <laughs> Well, Chris, tell us what this year has been like for you, because you have so much going on, obviously, at the Expo, so much around this race. Jay literally had to rip you out of the warehouse today to uh, snag you for this interview. But what's it like putting together all the special pieces? And do you think it's going to be extra special for runners who've been doing this for decades and are kind of used to this process? Oh, I know it will be. This has been a there have been a lot of pieces. And one of the big things that we tried to take into account is that not everybody will experience everything. So we tried to make sure that we really hit on that decades theme, whether it was Jay's team doing fabulous work over the last six months to tell you, you know, 50 stories in 50 weeks, 12 12 months, 12 months. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, or coming to the expo and having a great experience or this traveling show that's been going out or on the course we're going to have over a dozen uh, entertainment acts which is significantly increased from the last years and that's going to be a mixture of of DJs playing decades themed music to bands playing decades themed music to the radio stations of Cumulus have, have signed on to make playlists specific to there's some ranges that correspond to a specific decade so you know if it's OG 97.9, they're going to be playing 90s hits and things like that. So really all of those things to even, you know, the pieces that'll happen in the meadow itself. So whether it's the enhanced experience for our members at the Park Tavern, whether it's the activations that we have with our great sponsors up on Oak Hill, we hope that everything that we are doing that if you didn't get to hit all those moments that you're going to get to have three or four and there's there's a couple other things out there that we won't say on here just because we want there to be some surprises come come day of race 
look forward to the surprises there, Chris, but I think you probably have to get back to that warehouse, don't you? One yeah. way to go. Those pretzels. Gotta go find those pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks All so right. much for joining us here on the Peachtree Podcast. Thank you. Jay, I didn't want to mention it while Chris was still in here because he's got such a big job with the setup going on right now, but then you have to tear down the expo too. And you guys do that in record fast time yourselves, don't you? Three to four hours, roughly. Man, on it, July 3rd. It, on July 3rd. And then we're back at it. Some of us at 2 a.m., some of us at midnight, some of us at 3 a.m. That's the thing with the peach tree. Everything we put up must come down. So, you know, the meadow on peach tree, if you, you know, the race ends at 11 o'clock, most people are out of there by 1230. You can't tell that there was a race in Piedmont Park by four o'clock that afternoon. Isn't it's that really amazing? incredible. It does come down a lot quicker than it goes up, I will say. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of time to prepare, but I know all 60,000 runners appreciate everything that goes into this race each and every year, but especially this year for the 50th. And there are 60,000 stories. We've said it over and over again, but everyone has their own running journey. Some of my favorite here on the Peachtree Podcast this season, if people want to go back and listen to some of the previous episodes, include Bill Thorne, who's about to take on number 50 himself, mm-hmm. Betty Lindbergh. I think those two stick out for me, Jay, because it just shows this love of running can continue for decades. As long as you want to do it, you can do it. Yeah, I, I love both of those stories. I'm also really excited about the wheelchair race this year. I've said it in, on a couple of episodes. We're just going to see some really high quality wheelchair racing and are putting forth a prize that's never been seen before in the world of wheelchair racing. So I'm really excited to see that. If you want to read some of the stories of the people in this race, and there are so many, check out Peachtree Magazine. I've mentioned it a couple times on this episode, but it's 112 pages of just really great stories about some of the people who are taking part in this race. We've got some special guests in our studio studio here. studio audience today. Yes, our studio audience team, Maddox Strong. They're here running to raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. You can find it in the team and training website. That's just another story. His is in the Peachtree magazine. So it's really exciting and it's really great to see all these people that we talked about, see them on race day and see them crossing the finish line. You know, the completion of that journey that we started profiling weeks or months ago. Well, we'd love to hear your stories too. Atlanta Track Club is always online for you. You can email us your stories. We'd love to hear them. And of course, we look forward to enjoying all of those stories and having everyone reach that finish line safely on July 4th, Jay. Have a great race. I cannot wait to give you a high five uh, when you cross the finish line and wear that shirt proud. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. A DYJ Media Production.